0: I drink a lot of coffee. In fact, when I was sitting at my desk going over topic ideas for this episode of the podcast, I was drinking coffee. I'm not obsessed with it or anything. I mean, there are definitely brands, grinders, and brewing contraptions that are more intense, shall we say, than what we use at home, but our meager setup gets the job done. Sometimes I set it at night to brew before we wake up, Sometimes I get up a little early and do a pour over for some super extra heavy strong stuff, aka a properly made cup, all things considered. Regardless, coffee is seen as a mainstay of the getting stuff done mood, or even just the I made it to work, where's my gold star mood. So sit back, grab a cup of Joe. This week, it's actually Coffee Talk. I'm Dr. Ryan Strait, Assistant Professor of Educational Technology at the University of Arizona, and this is The New Professor. If you're a coffee drinker, chances are you either start the day with a cup, or six, or find yourself brewing or buying at some point during the day. Maybe you've got a machine in your office at work, even. In my last stint working in an office environment, I certainly did, and it was used heavily. I'd normally ride my bike to work, about a mile, but in Tucson where the heat can get brutal even at 8am. I'd make the coffee while I was cooling down, and drink the half pot I'd made over the next two hours or so, at which point I'd have a snack or eat some actual breakfast. Point being, the coffee was always, always there. Today is no different. My work environment has changed drastically, but my routine is largely the same. Wake up, make coffee, sit and work for a couple hours before getting up to stretch, walk, or eat, or all of the above. The thing is, while I, and many of you, I'm sure, as well as literally millions of people around the globe, think nothing of this little routine or ritual or little pleasure, caffeine is actually a drug. A psychoactive one to be precise, and it can have a surprisingly potent impact on your brain. Now, sure, nobody is selling caffeine on the streets. It's more subtle than that, even though it can absolutely kill you in large enough doses. But then again, what can't? But the fact that caffeine can increase your concentration and make you more efficient at particular tasks often associated with the contemporary workplace Who's complaining? Need that TPS report done? Caffeine to the rescue. So what happens to your body? Well, caffeine keeps you awake. We all know that. I'm sure many of us have absolutely relied on that from time to time, be it coffee or energy drinks. But like other drugs, our body builds up a tolerance to it over time, meaning you need more and more to maintain that original level of efficiency and alertness. For example, whereas you used to be able to get by with just one cup in the morning, if you remember that far back, I promise it was the case at one point. Now you might need three or four just to get through that morning staff meeting. See, there's the rub. While the alertness level you get from the caffeine will go down as your tolerance goes up, the neurochemical effects like getting jittery or short-tempered don't. Caffeine intake goes up, so do they, and after a while, you're just sleepy and pissed off. It's not all bad though. There's evidence that "quote unquote" moderate coffee consumption has led to decreased rates of dementia and other neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. That uh, link in the show notes. Interestingly, the placebo effect works on caffeine intake. A study was performed in which participants were given decaf coffee. Half were told it was decaf, the other told it was caffeinated. And I bet you see where this is going. Yep, the folks that thought they were drinking regular, caffeinated coffee outperformed the ones who knew their coffee was decaffeinated on certain tasks like those I mentioned earlier, the ones like those most people do in a typical office setting. So what's the real driver here? The caffeine or your expectation of it? The stuff in the cup or the ritual of having it? I'll leave that up to you. Now what about creativity? Energetic, efficient work, sure. Caffeine obviously hits that one pretty hard, whether we have it or not, like I said. But what if you need to work on that novel or that screenplay or that painting? There's that old cliché of the struggling screenwriter hunkered down for hours in a Starbucks over a laptop, but is drowning in coffee really the best way to get that creative work out of your head? Well, neurologically speaking, probably not, though everyone is different. Chances are, the liquid you should be drinking, if you want to focus on creativity, isn't coffee, but something alcoholic. No surprise to fans of Jim Morrison or Hemingway or the like. See, even just one taste of alcohol can boost creativity. That is to say, it triggers the release of dopamine, essentially the chemical that the concept known as creativity relies on. Careful though, that one sip can also trigger an avalanche, sending those prone to it back tumbling into addiction. In fact, that one-sip reaction could even be a serious risk factor in the development of alcoholism. So keep that in mind. Okay, so what if we remove the coffee, and we skip the beer, and we just stick with the Starbucks? See now we're talking ambiance. Again, no secret that folks like to go to work at cafes. Sometimes it's to avoid distraction at work at home, sometimes it's just for the free Wi-Fi, and you're remembering to use a VPN, right? Just check. Heck, there are dozens of websites out there that let you mimic the ambient noise of different locations when you can't physically get there. For the purposes of writing this episode, I used one called Hipster Sound. I know. With a combination of buzz of a busy Texas cafe and... Piano bar. Link to this in the show notes. You can even get the sound of co workers, which, I don't know, skeeves me out a little bit. See, a study was conducted to see not whether or not ambient sound improved or hindered creativity, but precisely how much sound. That is, what noise level was optimum. Sound volume is measured in decibels. It's simply a scale that, well, measures the intensity of a sound wave. See, it's hard to eyeball, earball, I don't know, guess decibel levels without a reference point. So, we basically can't hear below zero decibels, and anything over 160 will immediately rupture our eardrums. Everything we can hear without damaging us falls within that range. Picture leaves rustling in the breeze. That's about 10. A gently flowing creek or the noise from your computer. Those are about 40. Sound of traffic on a busy street or a shower. That clocks in around 70. Standing right at the stage at Coachella or Glastonbury. 110. Pain kicks in at 130. Anything past 194 and a sound wave becomes a shock wave. Pretty interesting, huh? the perfect level of indistinct background ambient noise for boosting creativity defined as more efficient abstract processing? Right back to that solid 70. Anything lower and it's just not that effective. Anything higher? Simply a distraction. Guess what a typical coffee shop is? Yeah, 70. Now if you put on your headphones while you're there, I don't know what to tell you. Be careful, though. Turns out that doing the ambiance thing might have the same end result as the caffeine, in that when you go back to your quiet, lonely office, you just can't get the work done. The brain's an amazing thing, right? So I guess moderation in all things, but do whatever works for you. Glass of wine while composing music? Go for it. Coffee while grading papers? Knock yourself out. Tumbler of scotch while pumping out the next great American novel. Perfect. Stephen King smoked like a chimney while writing many of his greatest books. Just saying. So what if you need to be creative but also energetic? I don't know. Irish coffee, I guess. Whatever it is, just try to enjoy it. See you next time.